Is this on? Is this on? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want us to start out real quick. I just want us to, uh, I just want us to go into that place of worship and just, uh, worship our God. So I'm just going to lead us real quick <clears throat> in a song. So I want us to just all close our eyes. I want us to just get back in that place with our God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God is so good, amen? amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo. Woo. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God is so good. So good. So tonight I want to focus on worship. A couple weeks ago, Aaron, she preached on being worship warriors. And we are worship warriors, amen? amen. Woo, hallelujah. We are worship warriors, Amen. Yes, and God, we saw how God calls us to worship him. And when we do that, the presence of God actually fills our midst. That God is in the midst of his people's praises. And when that happens, amazing things happen. Amen? Amen. He actually fills our midst. And in that worship, we see victory. Hallelujah. 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 Okay, so tonight, the name of tonight's message, the title is this is our God. Okay? So I want us all to open up our swords to 2 Samuel chapter 22. When you get there, let me hear hallelujah. 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 Okay, hallelujah. So we're going to hit up the entire chapter tonight. Hallelujah. I'm going to hit up the entire chapter. And so what's going to happen is I'm going to take it in, in parts, all right? So you guys work with me. And we're going, to, we're going to go through the entire chapter tonight, all right? But before we do that, let's pray. Father God, we love you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord God. You are our rock, Lord God. You are our great love. You are our God. You are our Lord. Father God, we worship you in this place, Father God. Father God, your word, Lord God. Father God, it is a light to our path. It is a lamp to our feet, Lord God. And Father God, you, Lord God, are so faithful, Lord God, to come down to us, Father God, to actually speak to us, Lord God, to be personal with us, Lord God. So, Father God, I just thank you for it, Father God. We worship you in this time, Father God. And Lord God, Father God, we pray, Lord God, that, Father God, you would come down to us tonight, Father God. That your spirit, Lord God, would reside, Father God, amongst this, Lord. That your anointing, Lord God, would just, Father God, be poured out, Lord God, upon our hearts, upon our spirits, Lord God. Overflowing our cups, Lord God, tonight. Father God, I bind every work of the enemy, Lord God, right now in the name of Jesus. Every work of distraction, I bind it right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Oh, hallelujah. Every spirit of unbelief, I bind and I cast it out right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, may faith be loosened in this place tonight as your word is proclaimed, Father God. Lord, we love you, Lord God. And as we continue in this worship tonight by just digging into your word, Lord, may you just meet us. May you change us, Lord God. Remind us, Lord God, who you are tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So tonight, what I want us to do is uh, we're going to... Every time, I want, I want to practice something tonight. Okay, so every time I say, this is our God, I want you, I want you to say amen. I want whatever is inside of you, I want whatever you feel towards the Lord, I want it to come out, all right? Because this is our God. Amen. Amen, that's what I'm talking about. This is our God. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so in chapter 22, we're going to start with verse 1 to 4. Okay, so I'm going to read it. I want you guys to read along. We're in the ESV. Okay, and David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Okay, so David speaking after God has done a mighty work in his life. He says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior, you save me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. Hallelujah. All right. So we're going to stop there for a second. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's the word of the Lord. Amen. So I'm going to stop there for a second because as I read this, as I read this, as I started meditating on this chapter, what I had to stop right there and God really spoke to me. And what I realized is that it's so easy for us to get used to the Lord. It's so easy for us. We come out, we do church, we do Friday fire, we do prayer, we do Sunday swim, we do Sunday service. And it can be so easy to just get used to the things that God's doing. The things the Lord seeks to do in our lives, we get used to. We get complacent. But we need to, like David does, just in these first two verses, we need to orient ourselves with who God is. We need to focus ourselves on who, the God, who God is for us, who the Lord is for us. I'll read it again, verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. Amen. See, what David doing is right here is he's declaring who God is. The Lord is my rock. He is my fortress. The Lord is my fortress. Do you know what that means? Fortress. It's not a not a little castle with a damsel in distress. It's not a tent. It's not a house. The Lord's not your He's a fortress. Amen? The Lord is my deliverer, my rock, my shield, the horn of my salvation. A battle cry of victory. That is who the Lord is. The Lord is our great deliverer in all these things. That's what David's saying. And he's who we must rely on. And David understood this. Even when he was a young boy, David understood that God is the one who has all the strength, all the power, 
all the glory. This is our God. Where are you at? This is our God. Hallelujah. He is the one who empowers us. The one we stand on. Our God is our rock. See, we don't build a house on sand, as Jesus said. We don't build a house on this world. We build a house on rock. And see, when you build things on rock, they begin to take the properties of that rock. See, you stand on rock, you cannot be moved. If a rock is immovable, the house you build on rock is stronger than it ever was before. And see, God is, what David is saying right now is he's declaring to God, he's saying, God, I stand on you. You are my rock. He empowers us. Our Lord empowers us. And when we stand on the Lord, we cannot be moved. Psalm 112, it says, for the righteous will never be moved. Isaiah 26, it says, trust in the Lord for the Lord. The Lord is the rock eternal. That we can stand on the Lord. The Lord is our rock, our shield, our fortress. Amen. Verse four, he goes on. He says, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. The Lord is worthy to be praised. Amen. Amen. The Lord, our rock, is worthy to be praised. See, David understood that when you talk about who the Lord is for us, our rock, our refuge, our shield, the horn of our salvation, our stronghold, our savior, it will always bring you to a place of worship. Always. Never fails. You will always be brought to a place of worship. Because you realize that the Lord, our rock, he is worthy to be praised. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. But then David keeps going. He, he, he gives that praise to God and then he goes on to the next block. Verse, verses 5 to 7. He says, For the waves of death encompass me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress I called upon the Lord. To my God I called. And from his temple, he heard my voice and my cry came to his ears. See here, David goes from talking about who the Lord is to immediately talking about the trials that he endured. Verses five to six, it says the waves of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. He talks about how he was confronted by death, by destruction. Even despite that, even despite knowing those things about our God, he was still confronted with these things. And each one of us, we can, we can relate with that because we're, we're facing trials in our lives, even right now. Even as Pastor Christian was talking about the trials that are facing our church, we can relate to that. We realize that there are things that encircle us each day, surround us and confront us. In, in another translation, even if you look in your footnotes, it says in verse 5, the torrents of destruction terrified me. See, David, when he was faced with opposition, he sometimes was terrified. Facing suffering, trials, and various tests, we can see how David feels. We can connect with that. 
Because sometimes we face things that terrify us as well. And David, he faced that. Sometimes we get so caught up in, in King David, victorious David, that we forget that he was just a man like you and I, feeling fear and terror even. But God did not give him a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and of sound mind. And that's why in verse 7, David, he calls out. He says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I called. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry came to his ears. See, this is our God right here. Hallelujah. This is our God. That when we're surrounded by death, when we're surrounded by things that terrify us, we call out to him. And he hears us. That we cry out to him and our prayers go all the way up to his throne. And he hears us. And then he responds. Verses 18 to 16. Let's keep it going. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations of the heavens trembled and quaked because he, the Lord, was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He was seen on the wings of the wind. He made darkness around him his canopy. Thick clouds a gathering of water. Out of the brightness before him coals of fire flamed forth. And the Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. Amen. Verse 8, what is God's response to David crying out? Verse 8, the Lord became angry God is not disinterested when things happen to you when the enemy attacks you but God became angry verse 14 the Lord thundered from heaven and the most high uttered his voice he sent out arrows and scattered them lightning and routed them when we cry out to the Lord at the attack of our enemy like David did The Lord doesn't just sit back. He doesn't just sit back and say, oh, that really sucks. Oh, they're crying out to me right now. I think I'll just hold off a second. Okay, I'll I'll wait. I'll wait a little longer. Okay. Oh, they're really getting massacred right now. I'll I'll hold off. Okay. Okay. No, he acts. God steps down. He became angry when he saw what was happening to his servant David, to his anointed And what did he do? What did he do? He came down. This is our God, brothers and sisters. This knowing that God comes down, that he becomes angry when things circle us, confront us, terrify us. And we cry out to him knowing that he acts. This should stir up our faith. It should stir up our joy even. Why? Because we know that the Lord is vengeful for us, brothers and sisters. The Lord is vengeful for his people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's vengeful for his anointed. 
And as he goes on in verse 19, he says, even when he was confronted with calamity, the Lord was his support. The Lord was his rock. And when we face calamity, when we face destruction, the Lord is our support. Hallelujah. David continues on. Verses 21 to 29, he says, The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me and from his statutes, I did not turn aside. I was blameless before him and I kept myself from guilt. And the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. Lord, with the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you deal purely. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. You save a humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, you can see how David's kind of moving on along, right? He saw how, how he, he rejoiced in the Lord. He began as we always should begin with worship. With worship. Hallelujah, Lord. You are worthy to be praised. And then he moved into what is encompassing him at that very moment. And then the Lord's response that God came down and moved in his life. And then he begins to talk about why. He begins to realize, God begins to reveal to David why he was dealing with him the way he was dealing with him. And in this passage, David is rejoicing and praising the Lord for how he deals with his people. How the Lord has dealt justly with him. For the Lord is merciful, blameless, and rewards us according to the righteousness he finds in us. And I want us to look, look at verse 27. Especially if you have the ESV. It says, with the purified you deal purely. And with the crooked you make yourself seem torturous. In the NIV it says, to the pure. And as I was reading that, I was like, to the pure, purified. Ah, purified. Because a better indication of what God was doing in David's life was that he was purifying him. Not that David was born pure. David couldn't have been pure on his own. All those things that David says from, from verses 21 to 26, the Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. That was the Lord's doing, not David's. See, the Lord is the one who purifies. See, the word says no one is righteous. No, not even one. And that includes David. The Lord had made him pure and then brought David into his righteousness. And see, this is of importance for you and I, especially as we hear the, we heed the call of God and as we worship our Lord to understand that David, Moses, Noah, just go on and on and on. They weren't born righteous. God made them righteous. 
it's important to understand as you read God's word that David was made pure and righteous, not that he was born pure. And there is a big difference. It is God who works within us for his good pleasure. And it is God who worked within David to make him pure. See, even if you look upon David's life, you know, we all know the story of David and Bathsheba, right? You know, and, and Uriah the Hittite, right? David wasn't, David wasn't righteous on his own. And us, us in our sin, we're not righteous on our own. But God makes us righteous, hallelujah. God purifies us. And then with the purified, he shows himself. With the righteous, he deals justly. Hallelujah. This is our amazing God. See, this is one God that does not look upon us as already spotless and pure, but instead makes us pure and holy. I mean, when I look at my life, I have so many struggles. I'm lazy. I sleep in all the time. I'm late for everything. Mina laughs because she's like there to like send me early text messages like, get up. John knows because he's my roommate. But it's not that I am born pure. I'm not born perfect. But in Christ, I'm made pure. I'm made perfect. He is the one who makes us righteous. Amen. It is God's imposed righteousness upon each one of us. That he who knew no sin became sin. So that we may become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. God deals with us then according to that righteousness. Amen. All right. So I realize this is 51 verses. So we're going to (laughs) skip. We're going to skip over to verse 32. And I want us to really. I want us to read that first sentence on verse 32. One and two, three. For who is God but the Lord? Two sentences, one sentence, it's okay. You, you do what you want to do. All right. For who is God but the Lord? For who is God but the Lord? See, David, he's understanding. He's, it's hitting him right now as he's singing to the Lord. Lord, you've done all these things in my life. You've dealt with me, Lord. You've purified me. Who is God but the Lord? Who is God but the Lord? That is a profound statement. Who is God but our Lord? David, he's experiencing all these things, but he still has to ask. Who is God but the Lord? Who is God but Yahweh? Who is God but Elohim? Who is God but Jehovah Jireh? Who is God but Jehovah Nisi? Who is God but Jehovah Sikinu? Who is God but Emmanuel? Who is God but the Lord? Are you listening? Are you receiving that? Who is God but the Lord in your lives? Who is God in your lives but the Lord? God is so great. That even when we think we've gotten used to it, he calls us to get back to that central point, that first commandment. 
He calls us to get right back to that place of worship and ask, who is God but our Lord? Amen? Amen. And then David, he keeps going and he asks again. He says, and who is a rock except our God? See, David knows. He knows as he's saying this that there are other things that can take precedent in our lives. That pull us away from worship. That pull us away from deliverance. Who is God but the Lord? Who is a rock except our God? It's not these other gods. It's not the God of Buddha. It's not the God of Krishna. It's not the God of Confucius. It's not the God of L. Ron Hubbard. It's not the God of Richard Dawkins. Who is a rock Except for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Who is a rock except our Lord? Hallelujah. This is our God. And he goes on. He says in verse 32, he says, This God is my strong refuge and has made my way blameless. This God. Not any other God. This one. This God, who is my deliverance, who is my fortress, who is my rock, who is your fortress, who is your rock. When times get tough, the Lord is your strong refuge. He is the one who makes your way blameless. This God, the Lord. And then he goes on, verse 34. He says, he made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. As I read this, I, my first thought was, what? A deer? Bambi? You know what I mean? Like, my feet are like Bambi, Lord. Like, I mean, you know, like Bambi, like, right? And Bambi's mom, like, poor Bambi's mom. We ain't gonna talk about Bambi. That's all right. So, okay, put, put the smile on your face. The Lord is risen. You know, smile. What you frowning about, Judy? Uh, just, Bambi, that was my thought. My feet are like a deer. A deer, Lord, that's weak, Lord. A deer, a delicate deer just walking across. But let me tell you something about a deer. Let me tell you something about a deer. A deer can climb mountains. Did you know that? You know a deer can climb mountains? Bambi can climb mountains, y'all. A deer can climb mountains with the securest of footing. And so when David says, Lord, you give me the feet of a deer. You set me secure in the heights. He's saying, Lord, you, my rock and my redeemer. I can climb any mountain. I can overcome any obstacle. I can overcome all things because you, Lord God, empower me. You make my feet that strong to climb every mountain. That's what the Lord, that's what he does in our lives. He makes our feet like those to climb any mountain. What is impossible for us is not impossible for Christ. It's not impossible for God. But David was not done. He says, verse 35, he says, He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your gentleness made me great. 
You gave a wide place for my steps under me, and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and destroyed them, and did not turn back until they were consumed. I consumed them. I thrust them through so that they did not rise. They fell under my feet. For you, you, Lord, you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me. Those who hated me and I destroyed them. They looked, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as the dust of the earth. I crushed them and stamped them down like the mire of the streets. See, not only does God strengthen us, but Lord, the Lord makes us ready for battle. We just spent, we just spent five minutes praying warfare prayers. Why? Because the Lord, He trains our hands for war. See, that's all you need to know from this whole block right here. Is that the Lord, He's training us for battle right now. In the same way that He trained up David. When David was a little shepherd boy thinking that he was doing mundane things. He realized that God was training his hands for war. That God was continually refining him. As he was a king and as he faced great armies, the Lord had trained his hands for war. Had brought him victory after victory after victory. And the Lord does the same thing in our lives. I must admit, you know, sometimes, you know, classes get boring. But the Lord... Is training my hands for battle right now. Right now, as you come out to Friday fire and you just think, oh, this is another Friday prayer meeting. Just another thing that I should go to. The Lord is training your hands right now for battle. He's training your hands for war. That's why you got to get ready. Because there's war coming. You got to get yourselves ready. He's training your hands for war. And see, as David looked upon the life God had given him, as he looked back, he saw warfare. See, warfare is a part of our lives. It's a part of your life, whether you are Christian or not. You battle, you struggle. But for us, we get to experience a victory. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know some of you, some of you don't really like the idea of war. You don't really like the idea of conflict. It makes you uneasy. You'd rather talk about flowers. You'd rather talk about love. You'd rather talk about just great hugs. But I'm not going to continue to, I'm not going to talk about love and I'm going to talk about love. I'm not going to talk about daisies and flowers and because God trains our hands for war. Listen to this quote. Now, I'm, I'm not too big on this guy's theology, but uh, John Stuart Mill once said, War is an ugly thing, but not the ugliest of things. The decayed and degraded state of moral and patriotic feeling, which thinks that nothing is worth war, is much worse. The person who has nothing for which he is willing to fight, nothing which is more important than his own personal safety, Someone who thinks that just them having a good life and making sure to get through and have these just their own things. 
that nothing is more important than their own safety, he says, is a miserable creature and has no chance of being free unless made and kept so by the exertions of better men than himself. And David, see, David was one of those better men. And so are we. Right, brothers? Yeah. Where the brothers at? Right, brothers? Yeah. And sisters as well. You guys are warriors. Hallelujah. See, the church has something to fight for. We all have something to fight for. And it's our God. His kingdom coming on this earth. His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. See, David got that. He got that. He understood that it was the Lord, the same God who delivered him from his enemies, imputed righteousness and loved him because of it. It was that same God who trained his hands for war and brought him victory. Hallelujah. And see, our victory has came as well. But we have to get trained up to see it come. David was promised victories from the Lord. Yet the Lord first trained him up before he saw it to pass. And this is how our God does things. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner over us. He trains us up and now he's sending us out. And see, if this doesn't get you hyped up, see, you got to have this mindset like David does. Understanding that it's about war. That it's not just about going through being complacent, going through the, the mundane things each week. It's about war. There are souls at stake. There are lives at stake. And I'm not trying to go into Armenian and Calvinism and whatever. But God is calling us to battle. And you got to get ready. And if this doesn't get you ready and hyped up for what is to come in this church and with the end time battle to come, you need to get with it. There's a saying we used to always say, I saw it on a bunch of, church, uh, bunch of sh shirts back home. It used to say, go hard or go home. And I'm preaching to myself right now. Because God wants us to go hard for his kingdom. He wants us to go hard as David did. He wants us to get ready because he's training up his people's hands for battle and is bringing them victory. Hallelujah. And we're almost through. We're going to go to verses 47 to 51. After David, after David continues to talk about how the Lord has delivered him, he goes right back to where you always have to go back to. You always got to go back to worship. You always got to go back to praising our God. His first thing he says, verse 47, the Lord lives. Hallelujah. Our God is alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of us, we worship sometimes a dead God. We pray and we don't think they're going anywhere. We don't believe that Jesus is really moving in our lives. And we wonder, we, it feels like just toiling, toil and toil and toil. Because we're not believing that God has really risen. That God, that Jesus isn't still on the cross. He's up and he's walking it out in our lives. The Lord lives, hallelujah. And he says, and blessed be my rock and exalted be my God, the rock of my salvation. 
The God who gave me vengeance and brought down peoples under me. Who brought me out from my enemies. You exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from men of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. And sing praises to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king. And shows steadfast love to his anointed. To David and his offspring forever. See, David ends with worship because he never stopped worshiping. This whole passage, this whole chapter is worship. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing praises to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. And show steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his, what? Offspring. Forever. We are that offspring. We follow after David. Through Christ, the anointed one himself, recipients of God's steadfast love. Why did David call our God the rock? Because he's immovable. He's steadfast. He doesn't change. Steadfast love. But that's just one thing. And that's not really what I want you to get out of these last two passages. Verse 50, it says, For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing praises to your name. For this. See, when David in verse 50, he says, For this, he's referring to verses 1 through 49. He's referring to everything that God has done in his life. How God has delivered him time after time after time. For this, I will praise you. And see, the spiritual truth in this for us is that when you begin to stop and you look back over your life, you see how God has worked in your life. When I look over my life and I see how God was there protecting me, The nights where I should have died. When I look over the course of my life and I see how God, he he pushed me to go a different direction. When you look over your life and you see what God has done. Oh, for this I will praise you, oh Lord. It should stir up faith in you. It should stir up worship in you. It should stir up in you a belief that God has already done marvelous things and he will continue to do so. For that is how our God is. This is our God. When you remember what God has done, it stirs up faith for what God will do. And shows steadfast love to his anointed and to David and his offspring forever. For this I will praise you, O Lord. For this. For God saving David as he saves us when the torrents of death overwhelmed him and terrified him. For this I will praise you, O Lord, because this is our God. Amen? Amen. When David was confronted from side to side with Philistines, when he had Goliath standing before him, he did not fret because God was with him. For this I will praise you, O Lord, because this is our God. Amen? Amen? Bringing David out from the hand of Saul. For this, Lord, I will praise you. This is our God. This is our God, brothers and sisters. 
This is the same God who imputes His righteousness upon us. This is our God. He died for us. This is our God. He rose again. He saved you from addiction. He saves you from shame. He saves you from turmoil. He saves you from trife. This is our God. This is our God, brothers and sisters. Our rock, our refuge, our salvation, our fortress. This is our God. Forever. He is there forever. His steadfast love is over us to David and his offspring forever. This is our God. Lift up a worship, a praise to our God right now. Lift it up to our God. This is our God. For who is God but you, Lord? For who is God but you, Lord? Where would we be without you, Lord God? In the same way, Lord, where David looked over his life, Father God. He didn't look upon it, Father God, with complacency, Father God. He didn't look upon it, Father God, with no passion, Lord. He saw, Lord God, that he would be nothing without you, Lord God. He'd still be in the fields without your call, Lord. He'd still be, Father God. Oh, without you, God, without you, Lord. Where would we be without you, God? Where would this church be without you, God? Where would we be, Lord? Father God, you show steadfast love to us, Father God. You are our God. As all the other things of this world confront us, Lord, you are our God. You come down to us, Father God, and you... Father God, you protect us. You are vengeful over your children. You are vengeful over your anointed. Because, Lord, you love us, God. And, Father God, you are preparing us day by day for battle. You train our hands for war, Lord God. Oh, hallelujah, Lord God. You are worthy to be praised, Father God. You are worthy, God. You are so worthy, Lord God. You are our creator, God. You created us, Father God. Father God, we will praise you, Lord God. For, Lord God, you made us, Lord God, fearfully and wonderfully. Hallelujah, Father God. We thank you, Lord God, that, Father God, you are our rock. And that, Lord, you're building this church upon rock. You're building your end-time army upon rock. For this, Lord, I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. And sing praises to your name. Great salvation you bring to us, Lord. And you show steadfast love to us forever, God. We love you, Lord. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Jesus, Lord God, that, Lord, that was that steadfast love being shown to us, Lord God. Dying for us, Lord. Redeeming us, Lord. Purifying us. We thank you, Lord. We worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.